Do you like books? What about books that read to you? Not the books themselves. That would be interesting if books had voices. It would be like once upon a time. You don't know if the book, what what voices the books would have. Who, who knows? Sometimes the books are read by authors. Sometimes they're read by uh, voice actors. I've mentioned it before. The Martian's one of my favorite because the voice actor is pretty fantastic. Uh, but if you want to go investigate the world of spoken books or weird books with faces, I don't know what I'm talking about. AudibleTrial.com slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. Get your first ebook for free and then uh, pay monthly to get uh, as many ebooks as you can muster. So go ahead and do that thing. AudibleTrial.com slash D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E, and that supports the channel. So let's get back to the show. Hi, friends. Welcome to Dopamine. I'm your host, C-Note, a.k.a. Christian Rivera. This morning, I've been spending a lot of time thinking a lot about expectations, uh, relationship expectations that we have or other people have in regards to ourselves. I mean, expectations are a common staple of being human, especially since we are such social creatures. Recently, Molly and I have been watching uh, Naked and Afraid, or we watched like two episodes of it because we just were curious about it. And it's pretty evident that humans are really not much of anything without each other that even just two people trying to live by themselves on you know in in the panama canal or in, on the amazon river or somewhere that's super remote that as numbers increase and people cooperate and they're able to work with each other and manage themselves essentially that Things can happen and uh, survival and flourishing can start to happen. And I do a lot of work around personality, uh, obviously understanding mental health, understanding why we create things, why we connect, why, why anything really is something I've been trying to understand my entire life. Ever since I was a little kid, I just feel like understanding human behavior isn't it's just not natural to me um there are a lot of people who take to it pretty easily like a fish in water and i i had some struggles growing up with understanding why people do things or maybe it's simply that i asked the questions and others just kind of went with it and it always felt like an advantage that others just went with it and kind of dove into the world of reacting to each other and expecting things of each other and being social. And um, there's something instinctually inherent in that idea that we need each other to survive. And needing each other to survive puts a lot of pressure on relationships, puts a lot of pressure on each other to get it right, to uh, to hope for something from someone when we give something, or to feel a sense of ownership of our children 
And then when it's time for those children to grow up or when I start to get older, that the children now owe me something. And there's part of that interrelational element of being human that makes expectations particularly interesting in the sense that it's very natural for us to want all sorts of wild and weird and crazy things from each other and uh, not really knowing what to do when there's a boundary that's set or that someone starts to operate independently or that even you listening start to do your own personal growth. And that starts to create some distance between maybe you and your family or past friends or former coworkers, or even people that you just had everyday regular conversations with uh, vibing about something or complaining about something or um, looking at the world in a certain way. And you have sort of mentally, spiritually, physically moved on from that. And, you know, what's kind of paradoxical about all of it is that as we grow as humans, we become a little bit more centered in ourselves. We become a little bit more aware that we're born alone and we die alone. And in a strange way, getting to know how alone we are makes us more connected in that if I'm alone and you're alone, it becomes more of a we than any of the we that we try to force upon each other all the time inherently within these constructs, these roles, these relationships, these methods of being. So I've been thinking a lot about expectations and relationships as I've heard so many stories and I have my own stories included around uh, partners, parents, children, like how do we continue to go forward? And I started thinking about the concept of pay it forward. The concept of, you know, this, this idea of pay it forward starts to go viral when it's like Starbucks patrons starting to pay for each other's drinks and passing it down the line. You know, one person pays for the next person's thing, and then the next person pays for the next person's thing. And what's so fascinating about the idea of pay it forward is it's not as if someone circles back to the back of the line and says, all right, now it's my turn to get mine. They've already paid it forward. It's inherently in that is not the idea of receiving. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with receiving the people who are having it paid forward to them are receiving. And that's amazing, but there's something to be said about paying to receive, giving to receive or giving with an expectation of receiving. I've been learning a lot also in my own personal life around about humility and idealism. I have been exploring my own idealism around the ways that I'm expecting or hoping for people to be people in my life or just my listeners or people who are on YouTube or uh, anyone else that I interact with, you know, I'm, I'm creating 
to receive something, right? I'm creating podcasts or I'm creating YouTube content so that eventually someone will pay me for one of my courses that I've created. And reciprocity is, in, is, is important. I'm not saying reciprocity isn't important, but my intention sometimes feels tainted when I am paying it forward in an attempt to receive, meaning that all of the things that I've been learning, that I've shared on this podcast, that I've shared with you, that I've shared on YouTube, that I've created courses around, none of this information is mine. I've no, I don't own any of this. Even the lessons that I've learned as an individual human being in my experiences are not mine. I don't hold them. I don't keep them. This is not something that I'm that I'm the keeper of, the, the responsible person for. I'm simply channeling it through my language, through my manner of speaking, through my voice, and serving it to you and essentially moving on to figure out the next one. So when I talk about paying it forward and I'm thinking about paying it forward, I think about all of the things that we expect of others in our relationships. You go on a date and you pay for the date, you pay for dinner, you pay for this, you pay for that. You're nice. You do all the things you're supposed to do. You look dressed up. And then if the person doesn't sleep with you, you get mad. How is that fair? <laughs> uh, that person doesn't owe you anything. Or with our parents. Our parents, they raise you. They take care of you. They make sure you're alive. And they make sure you survive to the next day. But then there's the expectation sometimes that when you get older, that now it's your turn to take care of them. When in actuality, the idea typically is that now it's your turn to pay it forward to your kids and do the same to your kids. And it splits a lot of people up that now you have to look back and take care of others when it's typically the parent's job to take care of themselves as well as take care of their kids so that their kids can take care of themselves and then take care of their kids. It's the idea of paying it forward. When I was a kid, I basically learned, and I think a lot of us learned the hard way that when you lend something to someone, you should probably not expect to get it back. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have hopes or we shouldn't have um, gratitude for what we've been given or have hopes that someone will help us out or do things for us or look out for us or any of that stuff. But there's a difference between hoping and controlling. You know, you, you found wonderful people in your life or you were birthed into a situation where your genetics link you to someone and when you're genetically linked to someone, that genetic link is then morphed into a mental link that the children then become an extension of yourself or your siblings can become a way to have power over each other. Because there's the stories that we buy into related to either 
interpersonal relationships when it comes to romantic relationships or with family. There's all these stories attached in terms of the expectations that we have upon each other, that this is happening and therefore you need to do this. You need to play this role. You need to do this thing. And it's your turn or it's your job, or this is what I've been training you for. (laughs) And, um, I hearken back to that idea of paying it forward is that I think one of the best things, one of the best aspects of humanity and the reason that those stories go viral is because of how unusual it is, how unusual it is to give without expectation, how unusual it is to simply offer up and trust that the next person is also going to offer up and keep going down the line. My hope when I'm creating this content is that someone else will learn from me and take this and go do something with it. I think a lot about, in a lot of ways, this product has morphed into kind of the ego baby of my friends, Joel and Antonia from Personality Hacker. I've learned so much from them and they've been a really strong influence in my life. I've also learned from Sad Guru and uh, Ken Wilbur and so many other teachers, Aranio Pias, Beatrice Chestnut, um, so many teachers who are putting work out there, um, obviously to make money and they have to live and they have to survive and all of this stuff. Um, but there is, I think there's a, a, a distinction between doing something that is a contribution to society and something that is expected. What I'm trying to say is that we can get expectations from those around us in a very specific narrow direction that is typically related to something in their lives that they they need to work on, right? So a partner could be expecting of you to operate in this way or that way, or maybe you can't look at a certain person or talk to a certain person or have certain friends, or they expect you to text them first thing in the morning, or they expect this and that, right? All of these things that they want, because maybe they don't feel important enough. Maybe they don't feel safe. Maybe they don't feel loved. Maybe they're paranoid. Maybe there's a uh, a sense of power that they want to feel. There's all sorts of various reasons why somebody may have expectations and maybe get a little bit manipulative and try to play some sort of games, right? Those are things that I don't think is, is, is unusual. We're used to that. I think recently I've been kind of mourning the loss of some of my idealism related to how I hope people could become as a whole or what I would like the world to be. That includes some of my close relationships growing up. That includes some of my old friendships. That includes my relationship to family. That includes all sorts of hopes and dreams that I was attached to at some point. And I'm feeling this like kind of quiet, steady mourning that I'm going through at the moment. Um, 
that is totally personal and it's mine and it's not anyone else can fix. I'm not looking for any sympathy. I'm not looking for anyone to come into my DMs and offer to listen. That's not what I'm saying. This is me. This is my journey. This is what I'm working through. I think the fact that we put expectations on each other is often a deflection or a fear or an avoidance of dealing with what we need to deal with within ourselves. And we put that onto other people. We want our kids to be a success because we weren't our version of a success or we weren't our, our parents' version of a success. So then we pass that torch onto our kids. I talked about kind of genetics and the genetics that are bonded and created within you are a combination of factors of, of hereditary factors from your parents, their parents, and you have, you know, hundreds of thousands and even millions of different identity DNA strains and types of people within you. You are not just your parents, you're everything else that's been a, attached up to this point. Um, and even then, all of those unique properties make you an individual person. You are not just the cells in your body. You are the combination of the cells in your body. And some of those cells have been hereditary, hereditarily passed down from various generations, which is amazing and something worth celebrating. But at the same time, you are a new organism. You are yourself. You are a person. You are a human being attempting to be a human being. And the genetic link does not necessitate an automatic ownership or guilt or an automatic response to the wants of the previous organism. They are still themselves. And I think one of the challenges that we face as organisms, and I experienced this myself as a parent, that we have to reconcile that with the fact that our ego, ourselves, this organism is going to die one day. And the person that we pass our ideas onto, they are not us. Our ego stays within us. Our body stays within us, our spirit, our soul, any of those ideas, notions of our essence and existence stay within us. If you believe in an afterlife or that you're greater and you have some sort of spirit or essence, then that's going to stay with you. You're going to move as your body moves. As your body starts to decay, that's going to go back into the universe in some sort of form. But your children will hopefully continue to live on and hopefully be themselves. They will not be you. Maybe they will take the best parts, the things that they learned from you, the things that they themselves, the lessons, the good, the bad, the things that they do want to be, the things that they don't want to be, they can take that and go and live their lives. And hopefully they can start to pay that forward as well. So all of this to say is that one of the key challenges 
of defying expectations is that the person that you're defying those expectations of may feel unsafe because it may feel like the two of you or the four of you or whomever is in the jungle, is in the Panama Canal, and you're by yourselves and you're surrounded by nature and everything is terrifying. And you say to them, hey, I'm going to go this way. Understandably, they're going to freak out and say, I don't want you to go that way. I want you to get on my boat. I want you to help us. You need to stay with us. We need to stay together. We need to stay strong. We need to stay as a cohesive unit. We need to build this. We need to connect. We need to fend off whatever dangers there are, even if there are or are not dangers related to our imagination or the stories that we tell ourselves. You cannot go off on your own. Now, you are the person receiving that. And there's two things that happen. You either react or you respond. And so reacting is an immediate taking it personally kind of thing. And you just freak out at them. And you yourselves are feeling threatened because you may have your own stories and your own imaginations in which you are now feeling threatened by they're feeling threatened and everyone's getting heightened and swirled up and it's this tornado of anxiety. Or you can choose to respond and understand what the situation is actually calling for, which is typically that either you go with them and you sacrifice your wants and needs, or you go towards what you think is best for you, but understand that any choice that you make for yourself is going to have some semblance of a consequence that may create a distance from you and that unit, or that may mean that you're going to go on your own for a little while and it's going to be dangerous, even though you have the perks of maybe going solo, or maybe you can move faster, or maybe you can understand things in a different way, or maybe you don't have to consult someone to make a decision. But every choice that you make is going to have some sort of consequence to it, even if it is in your best interest and for your own good and for your own mental health, for your needs, for a greater opportunity. Everything has a cost. It's up to you to take a moment to assess whether or not that cost is actually worth it. And that's really one of the powers of understanding social currency or understanding the ways in which we navigate the world related to our relationships, all relationships. It's no different than saying that you're at a market and you look at a scarf and you ask how much the scarf is. And before you know the price, you're like, I love this thing. I want this thing. I need, I need this scarf. The scarf is my everything. And then the person says, that's a thousand dollars. Now you have to decide how much want and need actually is there? Is it a thousand dollars worth of want and need? You know, is it worth moving on? Is it, do you feel like this journey, this movement, this other direction, this doing what you want, like going to be an artist versus being a doctor? Is, is that worth it for you? Is the journey worth it for you? Because there's going to be 
consequences. Because I think it's fair in both cases for you to want to do what you want and for others to feel threatened by that. I think all of the emotions there are absolutely valid. But valid emotions do not mean guilt. That does not mean that someone is allowed to step on your boundaries. It does not mean that someone else is allowed to tell you what you're supposed to do with your life. There's going to be consequences. And I think I've heard Gary Vee say over and over again to a lot of young kids who are wanting to be entrepreneurs or are wanting to go start their own business in some shape or form against their parents' wishes that right now they're living on their parents' dime. That means there is a sense of control. There's a sense of ownership from the parents' perspective. Many parents feel this way and it's kind of hard to break. Even though the role of the parent is to just nurture and to help the kid grow and survive and then cast them into the world. But there's an attachment that happens and we can't help but be attached. So it's our individual job to not allow ourselves to be attached. I personally think that no one has power unless you're willing to give yours up. So if you give your power by saying, I need you to keep paying for my rent or paying for my food or paying for my car or my phone, or I need to continue this dependence, then there's a price to pay for that. And there's going to be a semblance of connection and control that is going to be detrimental to your own individual wants and freedoms. But if you want to make your own choice to go out into the world and make your own choices, then understand that the way life works is that you are not necessarily going to be able to have your cake and eat it too. That the relationship may be strained for a while, and it may be actually in the best interest of the relationship for that distance to happen. Uh, one last thing that I recently heard around young men in particular in relationships, um, sons to their fathers and to their parents, really not just to their fathers, but sons. And that in a lot of traditional families, you know, the hope is for a boy. And obviously you're not trying to start your own kingdom. You're not trying to pass on to have some sort of heir to the throne, though you can think of it that way in regards to passing down the last name. But women typically will marry a man, let's say this in a straight, regular relationship. I'm not going to get into the semantics. You understand what I'm trying to say. That a young woman will find a man and will typically become attached to that family and move on. And modern in modern day, there's you know more of an equal attachment, but typically it's about the young woman becoming a part of another family, whereas a young man is going to bring someone new into the family. And the young man is going to remain attached to the family in some way, shape, or form. And so the young man is given a different kind of expectation. This is not a competition. I'm not saying young men versus young women. There are other expectations. I'm just talking about male expectations. And the young man is expected to take care of the family or hope the, the hope, the fantasy is that 
the young man will have the means, will have the family life, will have whatever is necessary to be still around the family geographically, to be close to them, to be able to pass on the family name, to pass on some sort of legacy in some shape or form. And that really hit me as in some personal stuff that I'm dealing with in my life right now. Um, and I know there are plenty of other young men um, who have been sort of faced with that. And really this applies to anyone, honestly. Uh, I picked the young men because that's just my story. But I think it's important to understand the trade-offs that we're continuously making and that if we are growing, we are becoming better people. We are becoming wise. We are, we are facing, uh, the idea of being a child of someone is to become better than them in some way, shape or form. And then our kids are going to be better than us. That's the idea. That's the plan. The idea is in some way, shape or form intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, um, and in all of these other connective ways, that the idea is that when we give something, we're not expecting to get something in return, and that it's our lives as parents, as sons and daughters, as fathers, mothers, that I think the most successful way to have interpersonal relationships is to simply pay it forward. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you got something from it. If you would like to leave your story or ask a question, you can do so at anchor.fm slash dopamine, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E. You can leave a voice message. And if you would like your voice message to be put on the air for others to hear, just let me know on that voice message. Or you can just say hi. That's totally fine. Um, I appreciate you for listening, for being here, for supporting me and my story, and I'm hoping that I can support you continuously in your story as well. We have a website at dopamine.life, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E.life, and we also have courses available for INTPs at dopeintp.com. And um, that's essentially it. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash dopamine as well, if you want to leave some support there. You're certainly welcome to but you don't have to. If you'd like to just continue listening to these podcasts gratis, free of charge, uh, you are you are totally welcome to keep doing that. So like, subscribe, share with a friend, family member, whoever needs to hear it, and uh, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. That would be really helpful as well. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that with an episode like this that maybe it can start to shape and change a little bit of, of your understanding of personality expectations or personal expectations, I should say, and how it's okay to take a break, take a breath, respond, and not be so reactive because we're just reacting to each other. And that's just what we do as humans and, and uh, kind of being antagonistic towards each other and stuff like that. And I think, feel like the best way that we can, nurture relationships with each other is to be responsive, to be responsible, uh, in a way that is, um, you know, paying it forward, like I said. So, um, all that said, you know, I appreciate you take care of yourself, yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya.
This has been a C-Note Media Production.